Well, this morning we are continuing in our Epiphany series. Liturgically, Epiphany is the Sunday closest to January 6th, and that's 12 days after Christmas, and that is the day that we remember the Magi, also known as the wise men, who come to bring gifts to the newborn king. This visit showed that the birth of Christ was life-changing for Jews and Gentiles alike. We call this encounter the Epiphany because it was a sudden moment of revelation and light. But epiphanies are not only contained to the Sunday closest to January 6th. We can have aha moments about God and the kingdom of God that is breaking through anytime we are open to the movement of the Holy Spirit. So with that in mind, I invite you to hear a reading from Mark chapter 1. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Just then there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, throwing him into convulsions and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed and kept on asking one another, What is this? A new teaching, with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. May God bless the reading of the word. Thanks be to God. Well, our passage this morning highlights two important parts of Jesus' ministry, teaching and healing. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus is recognized and known as a teacher and a rabbi who teaches with an authority beyond that of the other teachers and leaders of his time. One-on-one or to a crowd, Jesus was known to teach about the kingdom of God, which has come near. Often those teachings were accompanied by healings. Jesus heals the sick. He gives sight to the blind. He gives mobility to the disabled. He raises the dead to life. And sometimes he exercises demons. Our passage today is one such story. Growing up, when I would think about demons and exorcisms, I would picture like horror movies in my mind. You know, people's heads spinning all the way around or climbing up walls, kind of these Hollywood-esque depictions of something we can't quite imagine. Or sometimes I would think about Halloween and how people can dress up like these ghostly, demonic spirits, and I think about the decorations. And I think for many of us, that might be where our knowledge or understanding of demons and exorcism stops. It feels like this is not something that happens anymore, and it's something that we might even think we are beyond. Scholars have tried to wrestle with what exactly is happening in stories like this one today. They've said that perhaps it is a mental illness that these people have, like schizophrenia or epilepsy, and maybe that's true. I'm not really here today to talk about exorcisms and demons because I don't feel qualified to talk about something I don't completely understand, I haven't researched enough. But what I do know is true from this account and from other accounts is that when Jesus encountered people in need, he dropped what he was doing to heal them and to provide transformation. This story that we just read from the Gospel of Mark is Jesus' first public deed of power. 
Before this, he was baptized. He was tempted in the wilderness. He, was called, he called his disciples to fish for people and led them to the synagogue in Capernaum on the Sabbath. The passage then says that the people were astounded at his teaching and the authority that, with which he taught. And then suddenly, in the middle of the teaching, a man starts yelling out. So let's pause here for a moment to imagine this scene. This was a man in the crowd, in the congregation, who had come to hear Jesus teach. We are familiar with a setting like this, a lot like our setting today, where we have gathered, we're listening to a lesson, but it is not often that an adult will cry out or speak directly to the person teaching during the lesson. Sterling, I would be pretty caught off guard. I don't know about you. It's not something we're used to. I've gotten a little used to Callie making noises in here, but we're not used to adults speaking out in the service. So we have to wonder who this man was. Was he a regular congregation member in the synagogue? Did he know he was possessed by this unclean spirit? Was it obvious to the people around him? And how disruptive must this outburst have been? Not only is he crying out, but he is saying really strange things. What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. The first person plural he uses when he asks if Jesus has come to destroy us is interesting, right? I mean, what does he mean by that? Does he mean the people in the congregation? Are there many spirits within him? Or does he mean the plural evils of the world? Well, we're not really told. But it is clear that this unclean spirit recognizes who Jesus is. Beyond a talented teacher, beyond a leader that brings crowds, this spirit knows that Jesus is the Holy One of God. In one explosive moment, this unclean spirit has affirmed the divinity of Jesus and also caused a bit of chaos in this worship service. Jesus could have responded in many ways to this interruption. He could have asked one of the ushers to help the man outside to get some fresh air. He could have started praying over the man who was having this outburst. He could have simply stopped with, be silent, or ignored it altogether and just moved on. Because again, he was in the middle of his teaching moment when this man cried out. But instead, Jesus confronts this demonic spirit head on. Jesus rebukes him, tells him to be silent, and calls the spirit out of his body. The we of the demonic host obeys with convulsions and crying out, and upon seeing this transformation, the other people in the congregation know that Jesus is indeed special, just like the unclean spirit said. They can tell that he is one that has the authority of God. You know, stories like this one are a great reminder that God often works in and through interruptions. But who really likes interruptions? I mean, the interrupting cow was fun. But when we're doing something important, who likes to be disturbed or disrupted or to have an intrusion on your thought process, your work that you're getting done? It's not often that we think of interruptions as a good thing or that we would welcome them when we're in the middle of something else. 
I've learned a lot about interruptions in the last four months. While I knew that Callie's presence in the world would be a welcomed interruption, even finding out that she was going to come into the world early was a bit of an interruption. I was at my 38-week doctor's appointment, and I was having just a standard ultrasound done, and my doctor said, hmm, she's measuring a little small. That's not quite right. You know, just words that make you kind of nervous. And while she assured me that everything was okay with her, she said, we need to go ahead and get her out today or tomorrow. Hearing this, I was full of emotions. Shock, excitement, fear, disappointment. I wasn't planning or hoping to be induced. I was told over and over that most people go past their due date with their first child. And I realized in that moment, I was not quite emotionally ready to have a baby today or tomorrow. This really was a disruption. But of course, we wanted to do what was best for both of us. And so I left the appointment, I came to church and told everybody that the baby was coming today or tomorrow. We wrapped up the last few things and I went home to pack my bags. In those 48 hours between that doctor's appointment and having Callie gave me the time and space to prepare mentally, emotionally, and spiritually for her arrival. It gave time for my mom to drive in from Panama City Beach It gave Micah's family time to drive down from Madison. It gave us time to drop off Peanut at a friend's house and to have one last meal together as a family of two. It gave me, my mom, and Micah some time to play skip bow in the hospital and to laugh and have a good time. This change in plan was a gift that I couldn't quite understand in the moment because all I could see was the interruption. Sure, a change in plans can be really irritating, but it can also be an opportunity. Jesus models this mindset throughout his ministry. I mean, consider how many times Jesus was interrupted. How about the time when Jesus was teaching inside a house when suddenly a man is lowered from the ceiling by four men? Or what about the time when people like Jairus Jairus pushed through the crowds to ask Jesus to change course, to come to his house instead to heal his daughter? Or the woman who was right there beside him reaching out to touch the hem of his cloak and taking her moment of healing? Or what about when Jesus would try and slip away from the crowds, only for crowds to be waiting for him on the other side of the sea? Or what about the time when Jesus was asleep on a boat and the disciples came to wake him up to ask him to stop the storm? Over and over again, we see that Jesus uses moments of interruption for transformation. Most of Jesus' ministry happened between and around the formal moments, the teaching moments, the planned moments. And when the unclean spirit spoke out in that worship service in Capernaum, Jesus used the interruption to show that God's power and authority are greater than any evil force in this world. The response of the congregation to this interruption was astonishment and amazement. They marveled at Jesus' authority over the unclean spirits, recognizing the divine presence among them. This interruption served as a catalyst for their faith, and as the people witnessed firsthand the power and majesty, Christ. 
I wonder what it would look like if we took a page from Jesus' book and looked at opportunities, looked at interruptions as opportunities. What if we came to see the interruptions in our life not as annoyances or hurdles, but as ministry, as moments for potential epiphanies? Just as Jesus welcomed interruptions, we are called to embrace the unexpected moments in our lives. These interruptions may come in the form of a challenge or a crisis or the chance to care for someone in our community. Rather than resisting or resenting this opportunity, maybe we could see them as divine invitations to demonstrate our faith and compassion. And then maybe... Our response to the interruptions can serve as a testimony to God's faithfulness and grace. I think sometimes when we are expecting God to act in one way, we can miss the ways that God is acting around us. And it made me think of this famous parable about a drowning man. And I'd like to read it for you. A fellow was stuck on his rooftop in a flood. He was praying to God for help. Soon a man in a rowboat came by, and the fellow shouted to the man on the roof, Jump in, I can save you. The stranded fellow shouted back, No, it's okay, I'm praying to God, and he's going to save me. So the rowboat went on. Then a motorboat came by. The fellow in the motorboat shouted, Jump in, I can save you. To this the stranded man said, No thanks, I'm praying to God, and he's going to save me, I have faith. So the motorboat went on. Then a helicopter came by, and the pilot shouted down, Grab this rope. I will lift you to safety. To this, the stranded man replied again, No thanks. I'm praying to God, and he's going to save me. So the helicopter reluctantly flew away. Soon the waters rose above the rooftop, and the man drowned. He went to heaven. He finally got his chance to discuss the whole encounter with God, at which God said, And the man said, I had faith in you, but you didn't save me. Help me understand why. To this, God replied, I sent you a rowboat and a motorboat and a helicopter. What more did you expect? As we reflect on Jesus' ministry this morning, may we be inspired to view interruptions not as hindrances, but as divine opportunities for growth, for healing, and for redemption. Let us follow in the footsteps of our Savior, embracing interruptions with faith, humility, and compassion, knowing that God can work miracles in, even in the midst of interruptions. In the name of God, our Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer. Amen.